Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. It's Peter Day here. In this episode, we're going to talk about how to hedge your business. And I think this episode is going to help a lot of people because it is going to set the bar a little bit higher. I'm not saying our company is the best company or has always been the biggest company, but what I can tell you is we work harder than a lot of other companies out there. Whenever I go to a lot of conferences, there's so many lazy affiliates again and again. And I've been talking about this for literally years, the last three or five years. I've been talking about this concept where if you go to a an affiliate marketing trade show and you bump into an affiliate and ask them what they're doing, they generally tell you that they're doing one or two things. And the problem with one or two things is one or two things really only builds a small or medium-sized business. I've never met a company doing over $100 million a year that is doing that just off of one or two things or one or two verticals. I mean, it's rarely ever happened, um, at least in the industry that we're in of digital marketing, affiliate marketing, things like that. The companies that are actually producing $300 million a year, $700 million a year, these companies are usually larger conglomerates that are basically producing so much revenue and so many different campaigns and so many different genres of the market that it's hard for them to even keep tabs on everything they're doing. They have different departments that are overseeing auto insurance, different departments that are overseeing health insurance and branded campaigns and Taboola and Native. And it's just such a large operation that it requires a significant team and operation to build it. And I think that the biggest mistake a lot of affiliates are doing is they're basically, they're just staying small and simple kind of endlessly. And that's the biggest issue. It's again, if I went to a conference the other week, Contact.io, almost every single affiliate that I talked to, they were only doing one or two things. And I have to admit, usually these affiliates have been pretty good at doing one or two things right. But the issue is that there's been a lack of growth. I actually bumped into someone who I've known for 10 years in the industry, and it doesn't sound like their business is that much bigger after 10 years. In fact, it seems like it's virtually about the same size as it was 10 years ago. And in fact, it might even be a little smaller than it was three or four years ago when they were producing a lot of refinance traffic. So that's just in my opinion, that's just not the way to go. We should always be focusing on growth. We should be focusing on taking our businesses to the next level and always doing more. I mean, the way I look at it is if you're in business, you might as well be trying to do more. I mean, what's the point of being in business and trying to do the same or less? It's sometimes, you know, it's a lot of work. Business is a lot of work. And the way I look at at business is if I'm going to wake up in the morning and sit in front of the computer all day, I, I might as well make the most out of it. I You know what I mean is might as well make the most money out of it because you only have, what, 12 hours in a day to work productively or whatever it is. And the only difference between you and a billionaire like Mark Cuban or one of these guys on Shark Tank is they've simply decided to do different things in the time that they have. A lot of these people are not much better than you are or anyone else is. It's just they've decided to do different things in their time because the only thing that we all have perfectly in common in terms of just, 
you know, the daily operations of the business, that's a safe assumption is we all have the same amount of time. We all have about 12 hours in the day to work productively. And when I say productively, there's some people that sit in front of the computer or like sit in their office for like 16 hours a day. It's not always all productive. You know, there's probably at absolute max, there's probably 12 hours of productive time in a day. And truthfully, I don't know if I've ever even had a a day where it's been entirely 12 hours of productivity. I mean, it's about 8 o'clock for me right now when I'm recording this video. I think I honestly started work at about 9.15 this morning. I'll probably end work at about 9 or 9.15 at night, 12 hour day. Was it all productive? No. No. I ate lunch for 30 minutes. I took a break here and there. I spent an hour or two at dinner with my family. It wasn't even, you know what I mean? We only have so much time in the day. So what you're going to want to be thinking is how can you just make the most of that time strategically? And what I've learned pretty clearly in recent years and recent months is that the only way you're going to make more money is by working smarter as opposed to even harder in your time. And that's assuming you're you're really work, you're putting in the max amount of effort. Now, I don't want to tell everyone to start working smarter and not harder because I think there's a huge amount of people out there that are actually lacking both. They're not working as hard as they should nor as smart as they should. I think that's the issue. But for all of you guys listening to this podcast that are already working for 12 hours a day or 10 hours a day, you just feel like you're working all the time anyway. The only thing you have in terms of a lever at this point to earn more money is going to be to work smarter rather than even harder. I mean, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to put in 19 hours in a day of work instead of 10? It's just not really feasible. So you got to think to yourself, how are you going to work smarter as opposed to just working harder? And that brings the point of leverage into the business. Now, there's two ways you can get leverage in your business, two major ways. The first is other people's time, and the second is other people's money. These are the two leverage points that you have in a significant way in your business. I'm sure there's others, but these are the two prominent ones that I've been thinking about in my business is other people's um, time and other people's money. And think about it. If you're just a one-man show, and this is the issue with a lot of affiliates in our industry, they are kind of these one-man shows, or they have a tiny little team. They're, it's like themselves, a business partner. They got a few virtual assistants doing things, but they're not really leveraging other people's time that much. They're, in a sense, just leveraging their own time. Maybe they're leveraging a tiny bit of the virtual assistant's time and stuff like that, but to have big leverage in your business, I mean, you really... You should be leveraging other people's time, and you could contemplate leveraging other people's money if it makes sense. I mean, it's the interest rates are a lot higher these days. I'm not a fan of giving away parts of the business. I, maybe there is a time and place for that, but my brother and I are proud to have been working at this business for about 12 years, and we own 100% of our business. We've never given away a sliver to anyone. We've built it from the ground up. But at the same time, we have leveraged other people's money at times. Um, There was a period of time last year where I think for like a 30-day period, we drew a line of credit. I think I drew like 
quarter million dollars from Bank of America and um, 150 grand from Blue Vine lending and paid it back 20 or 30 days later. But we borrow, borrowed a little bit of money just to get through some extreme scaling, uh, extreme times of scaling. And this year we're preparing to, you know, make sure we're levered up if we need to be. I um, recently got approved for a line of credit close to about a million bucks. And then if you combine that with some other lines, it's some additional buying power. And obviously, you know, there's cash and stuff like that. But it's, it is important, in my opinion, to leverage other people's time and other people's money, because this is what builds a big business. I mean, do you think that a business like Apple or Microsoft got there by just, you know, two guys hacking away in their parents' basement? Maybe that's how it started, but then very quickly it turned in to leverage. It turned into building something where the growth was happening from other people's time and other people's money. There's no mystery why some of these companies are publicly traded. It's because they're utilizing the liquidity and the money that they've obviously been getting from being publicly traded, right? So in this audio, we're going to talk about not only these leverage points, but I do want to talk about hedging your business. And I've mentioned this in previous recordings, but I have a very specific mindset in my business that's been helping along the years. And I think it's been natural, and I haven't even been doing it very intentionally, but I've figured out how to articulate it. And basically the mindset is I have been thinking, what could possibly go wrong in the business? And then what I've been doing is I've been proactively making sure that those things do not go wrong. And we pulled it off pretty successfully earlier this year because if some of you are familiar with, one of the largest providers of Facebook accounts really got shut down earlier this year. It was a company out of uh, European countries, but they also had a presence in South America, and but they were mostly out of like Bulgaria and different European countries and stuff like that. And a lot of affiliate marketers were very reliant on this Facebook provider because they charged a 0% fee, they offered a pretty generous credit line if you can get approved for it, and they just gave you unlimited Facebook accounts at a 0% fee. Personally, we had a credit line of millions of dollars with this provider. We could literally spend money on the ads and we didn't even have to pay the money. We didn't have to pay them back until like one or two months later. And they allowed us to basically, we just owed them like millions of dollars at a time. They get an immense credit line. So what was running through my head this entire time was it's this philosophy. What could possibly go wrong? And then how do you proactively prevent those bad things from happening? And even though we were kind of riding on the glory days of this Facebook provider at 0% fee and this and that, what was running through my mind is that, well, what would happen if they sh- shut down? And this was well before they shut down. I mean, this was probably eight months before they shut down. What was running through my head is just what's the risk here? 
I mean, the risk is that we get so reliant on this specific Facebook provider that if they shut down, we would really be scrambling for other Facebook accounts or providers. And if you guys understand the Facebook game, the, sometimes the Facebook accounts themselves have been a little finicky. They've they've gotten banned. They've come back. They've glitched. They've also what's interesting about Facebook accounts is ban or no ban. Sometimes different Facebook accounts just have different performance. I mean, we have an account yesterday that was just performing terribly in terms of the CPM. The CPMs were like one or two hundred bucks. It's just absolutely ridiculously high. And um, what I told the media buyer on our team is that, listen, I think it's just an issue with the account. Like, you just got to change the account. You got to try a different account. Maybe it's somehow just messed up. So if you're running a serious Facebook business, I mean, you need a lot of accounts you need a lot of infrastructure, and what was running through my head at the time is that the biggest risk to our business was really if we were too reliant on this one provider. So we started getting all types of different providers. I got a really nice credit line and a really nice setup with a different provider. I was able to get set up with about three or four other providers. And I still wasn't thinking much of it. I was probably spending, I don't know, probably spending 70% of my ad spend with the 0% provider. Maybe 20% of my ad spend with another provider that was charging a fee. Other 10% with some other providers. But I at least had an infrastructure that was there and ready if something were to happen. And lo and behold, it was about three months ago, and we get a message and the message is basically that this provider in Eastern European countries is essentially shutting shutting down. And they're shutting off all the affiliates that are not basically European-based, a.k.a. all the United States affiliates. And they gave us basically a two-weeks notice that, you know, it's, it's ending. The, the Facebook provider is shutting down. So this is just an example where we're able to think ahead, we're able to use this mindset, we're able to use this philosophy. Again, the philosophy is just, you have to analyze your business, just think what could go wrong with what you're doing, figure out your weakest points is the best way to describe it, and then you gotta hedge your business, you gotta hedge against that, so you gotta proactively figure out how to make this worst case scenario not occur. And one of the, again, one of the worst case scenarios for me was being too reliant on this one particular provider of Facebook accounts. If they shut down, I would kind of be out of accounts, not even have ones to promote with, be scrambling, right? So we successfully hedged against that. And basically when we got the notice that this provider was shutting down, we were able to quickly shift our Facebook ad spend over to the backup providers within the course of two weeks and then we were able to go secure like five or six more additional Facebook providers we went a little bit you know perhaps even overboard because it wasn't that fun when the thing got shut down I have to admit we probably lost a little bit of revenue though because we we didn't instantly switch all of the volume to the backup providers we probably literally had like a 20% decrease of revenue for like one and a half weeks, but we were able to transition very smoothly. And at the end of the day, we probably lost a tiny bit of potentially earned money in the transition. But I know some other affiliates that basically 
couldn't even run ads for like a month and a half because they didn't know where to get a Facebook account. It's not that easy to do what we do either with the Facebook stuff. A lot of times we're getting very large size credit lines with Facebook. This goes back to the um, this goes back to the teaching earlier, right? Leverage other people's time and other people's money. Well, I've been leveraging other people's money, not even with a bank line of credit per se lately, but I've been leveraging other people's money by just getting credit lines um, with Facebook accounts. I mean, if you just add up all the credit lines we actually have with Facebook and then Google alone, the credit lines are millions of dollars. I mean, millions of dollars. I'm even applying for a credit line right now for some Facebook accounts and they're applying for a $2 million credit line. And this would be on top of about $1 to $2 million of credit lines that we already have with Facebook accounts. So this would give me $4 million of buying power without having to even pay for that money up front with my own cash. So this is very good. I mean, especially if you're trying to scale fast or you get a new initiative off the ground, just having that buying power um, is very important. And then you got to do things like you have to play it safe. You don't want to be putting all your eggs in one basket. I mean, imagine you do something stupid and you, you get like $4 million of buying power and you spend it all on, let's say, one or two clients that you think are really great. And then what if they don't pay you? You just bankrupt or something because you can't pay your credit lines back. So you got to be smart and you always got to be thinking what could go wrong and then how do you hedge against that? How do you make sure it doesn't go wrong? And I'm just going to talk openly about my business right now because in doing that, I think you'll start to get ideas in your business. So my business right now is pretty heavily dependent on Facebook ads and Google ads, a little bit of TikTok ads, but it's a lot of Facebook and the Google platform the Google platform comprises a lot of different things, though. I mean, there's Google search, there's YouTube ads, there's Google display. And what's been running through my mind is maybe I don't have enough traffic sources, right? I mean, no one's really thinking about this, and I, I, I honestly hope we never actually have to cross this road. But, I mean, what if Facebook just became a lousy traffic source? Seriously, what if the cost just got too expensive? So now, now you're starting to... F- you're starting to get in my head here. You're starting to get in my train of thought, right? Think about these worst-case scenarios. What could possibly go wrong? What's the weakest point? What could possibly go wrong? And then how do you prevent that from happening? And sometimes when I've been talking these things, they've sometimes sounded craziness at the time. People say, oh, no, Facebook's going to just go forever. It's going to be good forever. Like, why are you even thinking about these things, right? <coughs> I mean, you can laugh now, but if Facebook hits the fan and three and a half or four years, you'll be thanking me that you were preparing. And I'm not saying that Facebook's just going to go down. I hope it doesn't. But anything could become unviable. Let's just say, let's just pretend, for example, you know what I mean? Let's just pretend that you're running, let's say YouTube ads. Let's say YouTube is your thing, okay? Well, what if YouTube becomes very lousy one day? I mean, what if the costs just get as expensive as the Google search platform. Google search has been a little bit expensive. So what if the, it's not completely a unrealistic train of thought. What if, what if the Google platform gets as expensive as search and then your Google ads become unviable because of 
the fact that they're as expensive as just running an ad on search. And let's say that simultaneously, Facebook puts some new regulations on their platform that is like banning ads just excessively left and right to where you can hardly even get approvals for stuff to run on Facebook. And let's just say at, at the very same time, the CPMs and the Facebook costs are just double in four years than they are now. That's a pretty bad business environment. If your business is promoting ads on Facebook and Google and your YouTube stuff is now as expensive as the search platform, your Facebook costs have doubled to what they were in the past from now. And then on top of that, Facebook's just restricting you from running practically anything that you want to run that doesn't meet, you know, like a little word or sentence or whatever. I mean, sometimes Facebook has even banned things accidentally. I mean, you put a picture or something and they think it's a picture that it's not or something. I mean, there's been so many false alarms and stuff on Facebook, but I'm just painting a picture here of a worst case scenario. If you're a, if you're a marketer and the only thing you're doing is Facebook and Google and YouTube, which is, in my experience, this has been basically 90% of the affiliate industry. Go to any conference, ask affiliates what traffic sources they do. It's Facebook, TikTok, Google, YouTube, right? So what I'm working on in my business is I'm working on actively hedging against this risk. And I think the risk is possibly these platforms getting either so expensive or so difficult to actually run the affiliate ads on, just finicky and expensive, I think would be the biggest risk of these platforms. You might also need to start getting all types of different certifications and certificates. It already exists on the YouTube platform, but it could get worse. So then the real question is, well, how do you hedge against this? If this is kind of the most pessimistic thinking, um, these terrible things happening, and this could really mess up your business. I mean, let's say you have a business that's doing $100,000 a day on Facebook and Google, and what I'm describing actually happens. I mean, say goodbye to the $100,000 a day. You'll probably be squeaking by with ten grand a day or five grand a day, and then that might not even pay for your team if you started building a team. It might be underwater because the team costs more than the income coming in. So how do you hedge against this? What you got to do in my opinion, is focus on even more traffic sources. So right now, I'm currently looking at native ads. I'm looking at all types of different traffic sources. I'm looking at some brand new social networks. I'm looking at, um, I'm even studying direct mail. Why not? Direct mail has been around forever. I'm sure there's a way to crack it. It's also a hedge against, um, you know, the whole inflation of the prices on, social media platforms that has been happening as well. The only drawback to direct mail is that the actual stamps and postage and paper has become a little bit more expensive over the years. But we're exploring all types of traffic sources. In my opinion, if I look at my company in about 12 months from now, I would like to be on at least four prominent traffic sources or five at least. Like I said, right now, we've been kind of, you know, just as bad as other people have been in terms of the lack of diversity with these traffic sources. Like I said, we've been Facebook heavy, Google heavy, Google platform, a little bit of TikTok. So one of my primary goals here over the next 12 months is I want to get at least five 
high volume solid traffic sources going. And now here's the good news. The good news is if none of the bad stuff happens, if your business doesn't fall apart, if the Facebook ads don't cost double in four years, if the YouTube platform doesn't become as expensive as the search platform, if they don't put out crazy little fact checker things that are extremely aggressive to a whole nother degree to where you can hardly get anything pushed through. If, if none of those bad things happen, well, guess what just happened? Your business is going to be so much better three years from now if you actually implement these kind of hedging strategies and then a bad scenario doesn't happen. I mean, let's say we actually get all these things going. We figure out how to do the direct mail. We figure out how to do some some different offline and online advertising. We explore some new social networks, some new forms of advertising. Maybe we resurrect Snapchat or something. I mean, that's a platform. Hardly anybody's making too much noise about that lately, right? There's so many different ways to promote ads online and offline. Don't forget offline. And... Let's say we get all those things going and nothing actually happens that are these worst case scenarios. What that means is that three years from now, we're just going to be basically, it's just going to be bigger than than ever before. I mean, we're going to have ads on, you know, offline, online, these different networks, native, display, all types of different traffic sources. I mean, there's um, there's even traffic sources for contextual like PPV propeller ads type of things. There's so many opportunities for traffic sources and there's so many unique traffic sources as well. And what I could tell you is this has always served us well, this philosophy of essentially preparing for the worst, if you want to call it that way, or thinking about what the worst case scenario could be and then proactively, aggressively making moves like your life practically depended on it to make sure those bad things don't happen. And I think what's actually important here is that what's important is that you actually believe that the bad things could actually happen though. I mean, I have to admit, I think a lot of times I've taken my own thinking so seriously because I've actually been convinced that some of these terrible things could happen. Like, it's not out of the realm of possibility for the Facebook ads to be double in four years. It's not actually out of the realm of the possibility for the YouTube ads to just become as expensive as the search ads. It's not, maybe some people think otherwise, but in my brain, I actually think that these worse, sometimes when I've been thinking of these like very pessimistic things, I mean, what's been making me actually take so much massive action is because I've, I'm actually convinced that these things could possibly happen. Will they happen? Maybe not. I hope not, right? No one wants these things to happen. But what's important is you actually believe that, that there's a chance. I mean, if, if you're, if you don't actually believe that these things could happen, you're just like in some kind of naiveness and some kind of la la land, then you could really be taken by a storm. Like, let's say you're just, let's say you're only running ads on Facebook. You don't even have the TikTok going. You don't have any display. You don't even have any Google platform stuff going. And let's say the only thing you're doing is a Facebook platform, which has been a scary thought. It's like a huge amount of affiliates and spaces. They're not even diversified at all amongst even two or three platforms. It's kind of Facebook only for a lot of folks. Well, I mean, 
if Facebook gets trickier or the costs double, or I mean, that's going to stink for their business. They're, they're going to be spending literally like a year trying to rebuild stuff on different traffic sources, and they're going to be basically licking their wounds, hoping that they actually had been just working on that proactively. I mean, a huge loss of revenue and just loss of time. and going to lose like six or 12 months of revenue trying to figure out new traffic sources. And not only that, some of these other traffic sources require infrastructure as well. Like on Google Ads, we don't just have one Google Ad account. I mean, we have literally all types of accounts with different providers of Google Ad accounts, like all different structural setups and stuff. It's, it's It requires a big infrastructure for what we do with so many campaigns, so many verticals, so many offers. We run just so many different things. I mean, we're spread out at this point of 10 to 20 different verticals. We have over 500 clients. Um, I wish they were all active right now, but on a monthly basis, we're probably invoicing about 130 clients. And that number will only grow. So it's just important to really think to yourself, what could happen that's bad? What could happen that's terrible? And I can tell you my my biggest concern in my business right now is the traffic source thing. I think it might be a little bit of an over-concern just, just due to the fact that we actually are on Facebook, Google, the rest of the Google platform, and we are on TikTok to a small degree. I mean, just, just the fact that we are, are spread out that much. It's not like it is, it's not like I can't sleep at night because of that kind of uh, lack of diversity and stuff, but it, but it is one of my, my biggest concerns is just what if one of these major, major traffic sources just became harder for affiliate marketing, and it doesn't have to be Facebook, it could just be the Google platform or TikTok or just one of them, it's like, it would definitely place some kind of toll in the business. Another concern that I have about my own business, I'm just talking openly here because, I mean, listen, we're all entrepreneurs on this podcast, and even if you're an employee, you're still part of an entrepreneurial um venture. I mean, you're still part of an entrepreneurial company, even if you work for another company. I think one of the biggest risks personally in my business is that our business model is mostly doing traffic. Now, granted, I think there's a long way to grow and a long runway with traffic. I've been crunching some numbers and I really believe that if we play everything correctly, um, I actually have it pulled up in front. I've been mapping this out. Like, like what is, what can you actually do with traffic, right? There's so many things you can promote with traffic. You can, you can promote lead generation things. You can promote e-commerce things. You can promote paper calls. You can promote, um, like, informational things, like e-books. You can promote um, just endless things. I mean, that that covers a lot of the mainstream type of genres you can promote there there's so much things though and when you dive deeper there's um there's app installs um i met some guys that i talked to in the last podcast i'm not going to name the vertical they're doing because i'm kind of interested in the vertical but um it, it has nothing to do with any of the verticals i just mentioned by the way but i talked to some guys up in canada who are doing 30 million dollars a month 30 million a month on a vertical so when you think about the traffic opportunity, there's a lot of opportunity with the traffic stuff. And I just believe that our company has been exclusively really just doing traffic. I mean, do we have a little bit of side ventures going? We we do we do rent out some 
Facebook and TikTok accounts for a small fee here and there. It's not really my favorite business because the margin is the margins are small and it also requires a proper kind of due diligence too because sometimes we've been offering credit lines ourselves to people for that it's not a huge focus but when it comes to the traffic business I really believe that traffic can probably do over could probably do over a million dollars a day for our company. I mean, like, our company right now has been averaging about $200,000 a day to $250,000 a day on a regular basis. And this has been pretty much across the board for the last year. I mean, it's pretty, I've gotten used to it too, which is kind of, I mean, when it, when we first started doing that much volume, I, w- I couldn't even sleep at night. It was like my heart was racing. I was like, it was like the it was really scary because we didn't really have the funding to support it that easily and stuff. We didn't have all the credit line stuff either. I mean, I was interesting. I've just I've just became completely used to it. Like for me, I don't know if you guys have noticed this in your business, but it's like once you hit a certain level, like let's say let's say you've been doing ten grand a day and then you suddenly pop up to sixty grand a day and it's like the scariest thing. You're like, oh my goodness, I'm scaling like crazy. What if I get stiffed and I like lose all this money? Or it's like sometimes there can be some scary thoughts, and I don't want to go on a rant about this, but I, <laughs> I I could go on a rant about this. I think there's something that we need to change in the affiliate business. You know what we need to change? We need to change the precedent that these advertisers pay us after the fact. I really think it's so twisted because think about it like a lot of times these companies that are larger companies than ourselves are making us buy traffic with our own money and then they're wanting to pay us back for that traffic 30 or 60 days later. I think if we all start I, I really want to somehow change the paradigm in the industry for this. In my opinion, I think that if these companies are wanting the traffic from the affiliates and these companies are large size companies, they shouldn't be putting the the affiliates on these kind of long pay terms. Like I, I, f- I really feel like the industry standard should just be like weekly net two or something or like even twice a week or some aggressively fast maybe these companies don't all have to prepay their affiliates i i get it they they don't want to be you know all antsy that their affiliates are gonna like run away with the prepaid balance and stuff but it's just it is something that's kind of bothered me about the industry is that there's been this expectation that that the affiliate just has to spend their money on the ads and then they have to wait for the advertiser to pay them back, and sometimes the advertiser has been slow. They'll be like, "Oh yeah, net thirty. Well, so dude, net thirty is a, I don't, I don't. Net thirty is like a drag. You have to run ads in, you know, one month, and then you have to wait thirty days after the month finishes to just get the check. It's just like absolutely ridiculous, especially since some of the companies that we do business with have valuations." that are like hundreds of millions of dollars or more and stuff. It just makes absolutely no sense that they're making the smaller player 
But that's just something that's been on my mind, and I wish that we could do something about it. I feel like if we all, the only way these, the, the, the reason these companies have been getting away with it is because the affiliates have been submitting to it. If all the affiliates said, oh, no, no, sorry, we don't do monthly net 30 terms. If you want to work with us, it's, it's just going to have to be weekly. It's going to have to be actually twice a week. I feel like if we all started to put our foot down, then we would start changing the industry. We would start changing the way that the advertisers um, can behave. They're not going to be able to get away with the monthly net 30, monthly net 40. And by the way, some of the advertisers that, that do the monthly net 30... They don't even do it on time, like half the time I've seen. They say monthly net 30, you wait like two months, and then you're you're having to email them, you know, <laughs> sometimes, like, where's the money? And then they might be 15 days late on a monthly net 30, and you're not getting your money until like 65 days after you've run the traffic. It's just absolutely ridiculous. It's something I'm going to be brainstorming, but I think if we were to all just put our foot down and start making faster pay terms a precedent across the board in the entire industry and we all actually started pushing for it i just think that the advertisers would have to start bending to the faster terms instead in order to get the traffic i think the advertisers have been the ones bullying the affiliates into the longer terms and then the affiliates have been submitting to it and then it's just been this precedent so that that's just something that I'm going to work with. And I think what I could do in my personal business is at least put our foot down. If someone wants to pay us, you know, net 30, it's like, I'm sorry. If you want our traffic and if you want a lot of volume, it's not going to be on net 30. You're going to have to pay weekly. And in fact, once we hit a certain volume level on weekly, you're actually going to have to start releasing the bill twice a week. I mean, there's a brand new client that we just acquired in our business and we were able to take this client over $10,000 a day in the first week. But thankfully, we were able to get them on a weekly pay off the gecko. But I just told the client, I said, you know, client, if we're going to do any more, I want to get paid twice a week. I want to get paid like every three days. I don't want to risk spending $30,000 a day or whatever it is to it's i don't want that kind of credit risk like because it, it could really add up let's say i'm spending 30 grand per day and the client's supposed to pay me every week if if they default and they go out of business it could and by the way it could have nothing to do with your traffic i've seen companies just literally not be able to pay i'm dealing with this one dude um that I've been very upset with and I need to figure out what to do about it. I've been dealing with this one dude who bought some leads and I, I, there, there was a learning lesson for me though. The learning lesson for me was I sent, I just sent the traffic too quickly. Honestly, like this guy was supposed to be weekly pay. So he was already committed to faster turns, but unfortunately for some reason I sent him like $20,000 of leads kind of quickly and then he never paid his first bill. So now I'm, I'm like months later trying to hunt down this money. I don't know what to do. It's a little bit too small of money to sue. It's it's tricky. It's tricky because it's like it's not that big. It's not that small. It's, it's tricky, right? So what I recommend in your business is be getting the fastest pay terms as possible. Also, you got to start building trust and whatnot with your... Um, 
clients as well. It, looking back on it, what I should have done, what I should I should have tried to assess. I tried. I should have tried to at least make my own self-assessment on this guy. I mean, he didn't. He didn't have a sizable. There were some red flags. Number one, he did not have a prominent, sizable brand or business. I want to tell you something. Every time that we've been stiffed in this industry, 90% of the time it's been from the one-man show. It's been some dude that is like some kind of broker or it's just like some guy. And they they don't have a real large size like bona fide company. They don't have a lot of history. They don't have a lot of revenues. They don't have a team. This, they're, this, I'm telling you, if you start learning this, you'll be able to sniff out a lot of red flags um, before you even get too deep in them. So be very careful with businesses that are just operated by like one guy. One guy, no team, or no sizable team. If it's just a guy and like his assistant or something, it's like, that's a red flag right there. That is not... That is probably not a business that does millions and millions of dollars. Like that is probably a business that's just hardly getting by or just not that legit. So single, like a one-man team kind of guy or a guy and his assistant, no bona fide brand, like no real brand, no no real sizable company, not much history. These companies need to be treated with extreme caution. And what I should have done is I should have saw those red flags. I'm now obviously seeing them after the fact, and I've been digesting it. I've been learning it. And guys, I'm 12 years into this business, and I'm still learning. But if you look out for those red flags, you could be more cautious. Because what I should have done looking back on this scenario is I should have saw those red flags, and I should have said, yeah, th- this is like a very, very high probability of, of not paying. And lo and behold, they didn't pay. But looking back on it, what I could have done is I could have just actually did, I could have warmed up the client a a little better. What I could have done is maybe the first week, I could have sent them two or $3,000 of traffic. And then the second week, I could have sent them like $2,000 of traffic. I could have then paused the traffic and see if they paid. And if they just never paid their first 5,000 bucks, I could have moved on, you know, and just called it a mistake or something. And I would have um, lost only $5,000 instead of $25,000. The issue was we just, the, the you know, the, it's funny, the clients that have always, and you've probably, some of you have probably been in this situation as well. A lot of times the clients that have stiffed you are the ones that have been pretty good too. I mean, the reason why... This client ended up doing $25,000 really quick is because it was performing pretty well, too. So you got to be careful. It, 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 Who cares how much it performs? But this all goes back to payment terms, too. If I Okay, another thing. If I had demanded that this guy did faster pay terms, if I said, listen, I'm just not that comfortable sending that much traffic. I, I'm not really familiar with your business. There's not, not that much history. I can't find too much information about it. I would love to send traffic, but honestly... The, uh, what I could have told him is the only way I'm sending traffic is if you're paying me twice a week. If he was paying me twice a week, I could have learned in three days that he wasn't going to pay the bill. Maybe six days, because I would have sent traffic Monday to Wednesday. I would have maybe paused or slowed down. 
I would have waited like three or four days, and I would have realized not even the first check even came. And I could have, literally, I probably could have lost like 2,000 bucks and just moved on from it, right? So learning lessons here and just, no matter what you're doing, just be careful and try to get the fastest pay terms possible. And the more value that you can bring to the table, the more you're going to be able to demand these um faster paint terms too. I mean, at this point, a lot of people in the industry know that Optimize to Convert, our company, my brother and I, a lot of people know that we just produce so much volume and that we have such a good reputation. There's never any fraudulent traffic, obviously, because it's our internal traffic. The quality of the traffic is really well. Um, it's good quality. There's no, there's no actually issues. We have such a good traffic and such a reputation for volume and quality and even customer service with all the clients and stuff that we've been able to easily just literally demand faster pay terms. I mean, sometimes I just get on a call with a brand new client and I just tell them what our pay terms are. I don't even let them tell me theirs. I say, okay, sure, we can run your auto insurance. Um, and I just tell like, literally, instead of asking them what their pay terms are, just tell them what yours are. Just say, by the way, we, we usually invoice our clients every week that's just our protocol. I, 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 you know, how do I phrase it? that's That's kind of how I phrase it. I, I kind of get to the, I, I've been getting to the end of the sales calls with clients and I say, listen, um, I want to talk about pay terms. Here's what we usually do. We usually send our clients an invoice every single week. So it's Monday to Sunday and we really want that invoice paid at least by Wednesday or Friday. This is to ensure that we have solid cash flow and that we're not extending any ex excessive risk. So I'm not asking for prepay. I'm not asking for money ahead of time, but I'm just asking if I can do a weekly invoice. Is that okay? And that's basically my pitch right there. It's been working a lot, a lot, a lot. And this has been working on those slow ones. So the, the clients that have actually been historically like monthly net 30 or monthly net 60, I've been doing this pitch to and I've been getting the slow ones to do me weekly. And it, it has been very, very good for um, scaling, cash flow, and risk management and stuff. So I recommend maybe you start utilizing that line. And if we all put down our foot, if we all start demanding faster pay terms, if we can start making this a precedent, I'm telling you, these advertisers are going to start looking like the odd ones offering the slower pay terms. Because if a client's like, we only pay net 30, it's like, oh, really? Well, that that's not normal anymore. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't know if it's going to be actually possible for me to move the entire ship of the way the industry is operating with this thing, but at least I know that I can move, I can at least make the shift internally in our business and maybe for some people watching this, listening to this podcast closely, you know, start putting your foot down, start getting faster terms, and you got to realize that don't be afraid either. If you're asking someone to pay you weekly or twice a week, you're not even asking for them to prepay you. You're just, it's still a post pay. You're still actually extending a indirect credit line to these companies. So don't, don't be afraid whatsoever to ask a client for weekly net three, like seriously, not even weekly net seven, just as soon as the week wraps up. You know, send that client the invoice on Monday and expect it paid like two days later. I there's no shame in doing that. You're not even you're not begging. You're not asking them for money in advance. You're simply actually still extending a post pay, but you're just doing radically faster terms than some of these slow folks want. So, I recommend this, and um, 
Guys, if you've been liking this podcast, do me a favor, share this with some other people you know in the industry. This is a valuable podcast. It's way higher level than a lot of other content and a lot of information in our industry. This is way higher level than a lot of these sessions at trade shows. So go ahead and first of all, be a subscriber to the podcast just by clicking the subscribe button. Go ahead and do it now. If you're not subscribed, what this is going to do is, is whenever we launch a podcast, you'll get notified and syndicated that podcast right away, and that's very valuable. Comment on this podcast if you have some different opinions on this stuff. Let me know your thoughts, and then share this podcast. Share this with someone in the industry. Share it with a friend who's doing affiliate marketing. Share it with a coworker, another company that's in our industry. Share this podcast around. Let's get this thing more popular and more known to get this value out. So this is Peter. We'll talk next week, and have a good rest of the day.